there moments in this life that are just so beautiful and glorious, uh, like a sunrise over the Grand Canyon, or the feeling of falling head over heels in love, or the first cry of a newborn baby. Those moments, they shout with certainty that we have a God who loves us. But then there are those moments in this life that are just so ugly and devastating, like floodwaters that wash away a family's possessions and lifelong memories, or the gut-wrenching heartache of finding out that someone you love has betrayed you, or the death of a child. Those moments call into question God's very existence. I mean, life can be so beautiful and yet so broken. Well, today we're concluding this mini-series that we're in that we're calling Perfectly Broken because since the fall, the human race has been a broken race and we lived in a broken place. And in our shame, we try to hide our brokenness and our sins, our scars, our wounds, our loss from God and from others. When it's in those broken places in our lives that we can experience God the most, it's in those broken places in our lives if we bring them to God and reveal them to others that we can experience God's mercy and grace and God's healing and God's comfort in such a powerful supernatural way. Now, really there are three types of restoration because I wanna talk about how even though we're perfectly broken, we're going to be perfectly restored. And that's what God is about. That is God's purpose, and that he wants to take our brokenness and he wants to restore us completely. But there are three stages to this restoration process. The first stage, you might wanna write this down, is what I call salvation restoration. That's when we admit our brokenness to God and we come to him and receive his free forgiveness of all of our sins. And, and we're born again, salvation restoration. That's salvation. And he gives us that new heart, that heart for him, that heart that longs for God, that heart that longs for his kingdom. But we still live in broken flesh in this broken world. And so the second type of restoration is the restoration process. Once you become a Christ follower, you experience salvation restoration, he starts taking you through this restoration process where you start growing in Christ. He starts restoring your mind. The scripture says we're transformed by the renewing of our minds and science is now seeing that that is so true. That as we put God's word into our minds, it starts changing our brains. We stop believing the lies that have been the basis for the way we've made decisions and lived and made wrong choices and, and we start filling our minds with God's word and it actually changes the physiology of our brains because what you think changes the way you live. And so brain science has now found that the synapses and, and the physiology of your brain begins to change as you change what you focus on and what you think about. And that restoration process comes about when we get connected to a local church, when we get into a life group, when we start getting into God's word, God's truth starts changing our lives. It's a restoration process, but then the third type of restoration is the great restoration. 
because we still live in a sin-sick and broken world. We still experience hurt and pain and loss and brokenness, but one day, God is going to restore everything. One day, God will restore heaven and earth, and he will restore all the things that are broken and lost. And so I, I want us to open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 21, because this great restoration is talked about in the last book of the Bible, as God gives John this vision for what the great restoration is going to be like, and it's amazing. And I know as I read this, those of you who are Christ followers, there's gonna be something that just sings in your heart. You know, you're not gonna understand everything about it, but, but it's just so beautiful and just so profound. It will resonate because you know in your heart a great restoration is coming. What you've been longing for is on its way, and if you're not a Christ follower, as I read this, there'll be something too that grabs you because God created every one of us with this desire for restoration. You were made for the great restoration. So I want us to stand in honor of God's word and I wanna welcome all you worshiping with us from our satellite campuses, Woodlands Church Atascacita. I praise God for our church in Atascacita. You're amazing, it's just bursting at the seams and I'm so proud of Pastor Daniel. You guys are awesome. Would you give them a huge cheer, Woodlands Campus? Yeah. We love you, Woodlands Church Atascacita. Woodlands Church North Point, you guys are amazing on 249, and I know that Pastor Dustin, uh, you're rocking it out there, and it's growing like crazy, and we just praise God for you guys. Would y'all just cheer for them? Let them know that we love them, yeah. And all you guys worshiping with us through our online or broadcast ministry, wherever you are, we are one church from the Woodlands to the world, and we're built on the Word of God, and I am so excited about our key passage today. I want you to follow along with me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Dear God, I thank you that we can trust your words. And we thank you so much that you placed within all of our hearts this burning desire for restoration. Lord, each day we wake up and a new day brings, Lord, new hope for restoration. And Lord, we know that everyone within the sound of my voice is experiencing brokenness and pain and hurt and loss. And I just pray right now that you would let them know that it's in that brokenness and loss that they can find a miracle from you. And I pray that you would begin to just speak to their hearts even now to let them know that you know where they're at and what they're going through and that you are going to see them through. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. This passage on the great restoration is just so beautiful. 
It's so grand, it's so powerful that, you know, I can barely take it in. And so your homework assignment is read this passage in Revelation 21 several times this week and just pray and ask God to keep opening it up to you. As you read it and you think about it, you read it slowly and you think about what this great restoration is all about. And I want us to look at it this morning. And I want you to underline the phrase where the one on the throne, who is Jesus Christ himself, says, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. And some translations say, I am making all things new. Behold, I make all things new. I'm making everything new. I'm making all things new. Now notice he didn't say I'm making all new things. He said I'm making all things new. He said I'm taking the current things and I'm going to restore them. I'm taking the broken things and I'm going to heal them and make them all new. I'm going to restore every broken thing. You see, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. It's not just heaven but every broken thing on this earth, he's going to make new. Now underline the next thing Jesus says, because right after he says, I'm making everything new, a new heaven, a new earth, I'm gonna restore everything that's broken, he says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I find that so amazing, because I guess he knew what I was thinking. I'm thinking, can it be that everything broken can it be that all this brokenness, all the wrong will be made right, all the brokenness will be restored, all the hurt will be healed in this broken world? Can it be? And he's saying, you can write it down because it's trustworthy, it's from me. It's done as far as I'm concerned. It's coming in the future, but it's done because once I say it, it's done. It's done, you can trust it, you can count on it, you can put it in the bank. It's done. The great restoration is coming, and that changes everything. And there's so much pain and loss and sorrow and heartache in this broken world, but we have a hope that's even greater. I mean, just think about it. Everything in your life that has been broken or will be broken, everything, all your broken dreams, your broken heart, your broken emotions, your broken relationships, everything that's not right in your body, all those things will be totally restored. Think about it for a moment. Everything in your life that you have lost or will lose will be restored. Your lost innocence, lost purpose, the times you've lost your way, loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord, everything lost, restored. If you're a Christ follower, Jesus says, I know it hurts now. I, I know it's hard to believe right now, but the great restoration is coming and nothing is really lost. In Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, says this, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline Underline that word hope, and then underline the phrase unbreakable spiritual lifeline and draw a line connecting the two because our hope and the great restoration that's coming is our lifeline. And it fills us with hope. 
It's our lifeline that gets us from this painful, broken world to that great restoration so that we hold on and we trust God and we keep going knowing there's a great restoration that's coming. You see, in the middle of this great pain in this world, we have to have a greater hope, and the good news is we do. We have a greater hope. No matter what you're going through today, no matter how much pain you're experiencing today, no matter how much brokenness and loss you've experienced in this life, I want you to know there's a hope that's greater than all your pain. There's a hope that's greater than all your loss, and that hope is Jesus Christ, and the great restoration is coming where he will make everything new. I mean, what a lifeline that is. I don't know how people make it who don't have faith in Christ. I don't know how they make it. I don't think they make it very well because we all go through pain and hurt and heartache. But if you're a Christ follower, you have a lifeline, a lifeline of hope. And by the way, hope makes all the difference, doesn't it? I mean, you know, the science has now shown that when someone's going through a terrible disease and, and they have hope, and that hope helps them so much physically. You know, that hope helps them carry on. That hope helps them in the healing process. When you have hope, when you've gone through difficulties, you have hope, it makes all the difference. It even changes you physically. You see, there are three values, the Bible says, that will last forever, faith, hope, and love. Those are eternal values. But faith that we need so desperately has more to do with the past because faith comes from knowing, hey, God came through for me in the past. I know he's gonna do it again. I know, God, you're gonna do it again. And then love has to do with the present because love is in the now. Love is always an action, not a feeling, an action, and you do it in the now, in the present. But hope is different. Hope has to do with the future. Hope is not about the past or the present, it's about the future that you know in your heart that something better is on its way, that you know in your heart, even in the darkest night, that the sunrise is coming. That's what hope is. It's that sunlight at the break of dawn that breaks the dark night wide open, and you know it's coming. And hope changes us in the present. And that's why God tells us about the great restoration. It's because he does amazing things in our lives. We experience so much fulfillment, so much beauty down here when we have a relationship with Christ. He, he does so much restoration in our lives down here. And we're praying after this service with our pastors and ministry leaders and, and, and prayer teams. We're gonna pray for healing, for God to bring healing physically and and for God to bring healing emotionally, relationally. If you need healing of any kind, we wanna pray for you. We've seen amazing healing take place. And we did this last weekend. We're doing it again after the service this weekend. But I'm telling you that even with all the amazing things God does in our life, and all the beauty that we experience in this life, there's still so much brokenness, so much pain, so much heartache. And that's why God wants us to know there's a great restoration that's coming. That's why he wants us to know that He's gonna one day restore heaven and earth, all those things that are broken. So how can I be filled with that hope that is a lifeline? Well, first, lose yourself to the restore of everything. 
Lose yourself to the restorer of everything. You were made for restoration. You were made for the restoration of all things. You were created for sheer joy and total fulfillment. But ever since we lost Eden, we've experienced loss and brokenness. We're sort of like cut flowers. We've been severed from the source of life. We look good on the outside, but we're severed from the source of fulfillment. And when you're severed from the source of life, you start lusting for life in counterfeits that just leave you even more empty. And we're so broken trying to fill the emptiness in our lives that we'll break everyone around us to experience instant gratification, to try to get our needs met, and it just leaves us even more empty and more broken. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Let me read you the same verse in the message paraphrase. It says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. So when you're empty and you're looking to get your needs met, and we get so desperate to get our needs met, and if someone stands in our way of getting our needs met, we take it out on them. We're broken and we break others, and that's what's going on in our culture today. It's so broken and it's falling apart more and more day after day because people have been severed from the source of life. And there's only one thing that can fill the emptiness, and that's the source of life. And so instead of trying to get our needs met, God says, if you'll just focus on me and my kingdom, you are made with a heart for the kingdom of God. If you'll focus on me first and forget about yourself, then you'll find yourself and me. Isn't that amazing? You get your needs met. It's so amazing to me, this paradox, that if I focus on my needs, my wants, my hurts, my losses, my pain, then I just feel even more pain and emptiness. But when I focus on God and his kingdom, and he points me to others, and I forget about myself, then I truly find myself and why I was made and why God put me on this earth and I'm filled with sheer joy and total fulfillment. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. That's that restoration process. And maybe you, you can't see it on the outside because as we get older, uh, it says we're wasting away. <laughs> that doesn't seem real encouraging, but that's not what we focus on. We focus on what God's doing on the inside. He's restoring us. We're being totally restored. The beauty, the strength, all those things that we lost in the fall, we're getting back to the Garden of Eden in our lives. It's just we still live in a broken world. So don't lose hope because God's doing his restoration and something inside us tells us there's gonna be a great restoration that's coming. Well, there's a second thing I need to do, not only to lose myself to the great restorer of everything, but let go of your losses to the restorer of everything. Let go of your losses. You do realize, don't you? I know you do, but you just don't like to think about it you do realize that you will say goodbye 
to everything and everyone you hold dear in this life. That someday you'll say goodbye. It may be in a long series of goodbyes. It may be that everyone is saying goodbye to you as you're saying goodbye. But you do realize that you will eventually, that all of us will eventually say goodbye to everything we hold dear, everyone we hold dear. Life can just be a long series of goodbyes. And I know that's heart-wrenching, and we all know it. We just don't like to think about it. But here's the, the great news. If you're Christ follower, really nothing is lost. In 1 Peter 1, 3, it says, now we live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose from the dead and God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Because Christ defeated death on that first Easter, if you're a Christ follower, nothing is really lost. After our grandson went to be with the Lord, there were several well-meaning folks who would tell us we're so sorry for your loss. And we knew what they meant, but we'd always say, well, he's not lost, we know right where he is. He's in heaven, and we're gonna see him one day. We know right where he is, kept safe. We know right where he is. We have five grandchildren, just one in heaven, four down here on earth. We know right where he is. That's the lifeline of hope. I mean, without that, what do we have, folks? That's the lifeline of hope. We have heaven. And one day, the whole earth will be restored. Heaven and earth restored. Heaven forever. And the restoration of everything. And by the way, folks, heaven's a real place. It's just as real as this auditorium that we're in. Some people, when they think of heaven, you know, they think, well, it seems really boring to me. We'll just be sitting on a cloud in some mist somewhere, wearing a white robe with angel's wings, playing a harp for all eternity. No, that sounds like hell to me. I don't know about you. That's horrible. No wonder some people don't want to go to heaven, you know, and, and people think of hell sometimes as like, you know, I think I'll go there where they're just drinking beer and playing pool with their buddies down there, you know, for all eternity. No, the, the Bible says first that, that hell is a place of total separation from God. That's, that's what hell is. It's just being with yourself for all eternity. Selfishness, self, me, 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 and no one else for all eternity. But heaven, on the other hand, it's offered to every one of us. Heaven, on the other hand, is a real place. And it's the most beautiful place you could ever imagine. The Bible uses human words to describe what is humanly impossible to describe. It says there are streets of gold, which represents the great worth and significance that we'll feel in heaven. It would be so beautiful, the most beautiful place you could ever imagine on earth. Imagine waking up with a sunrise in a place that's so much more beautiful that you can barely take it in. And we'll be running free, you know, in the meadows and the fields, and, and we'll have jobs that bring total fulfillment. We can't even imagine, you know, what heaven will be like beyond our wildest dreams, but it's a real place. And, and it, there'll be the restoration of heaven and earth. That's what a lot of believers forget about, that when Christ returns, he's gonna restore both heaven and earth, everything broken. 
is going to be completely restored. And it says in scripture, the lion will lay down with the lamb and, and there'll be no more war. And there'll be no more sin, no more hurt, no more pain, no more loss. And when you think about it, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, you know, what's heaven gonna be like? We'll be able to recognize, you know, each other. And of course we'll be able to recognize each other. We'll have perfectly restored bodies, but we'll be able to, we'll know. And then sometimes people ask me, will there be animals in heaven? Well, the Bible says the lion will lay down with the lamb, and it says that, that Jesus will be riding a white horse. So there's gonna be animals in heaven. And, you know, your pets will be in heaven. They'll be restored. And yeah, animals will be in heaven. There won't be cats in heaven. There won't be any cats in heaven. I'm, I'm, I, that's just my opinion. Now, don't write me letters on that, cat lovers. If you wanna bring your 20 cats to heaven, that's okay with me as long as you're in a different district or something. I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe there won't be any allergies in heaven, so it'll be okay. But I think about, yes, there'll be animals in heaven. You know, some people say, well, they don't have spirits, so they can't be in heaven. Well, no, they don't have spirits like humans do, but it'll be the restoration of everything on heaven and earth. And so I think about my own pets. I think about... 12 years ago when we got a, a miniature Labradoodle and my daughter picked him out of the litter. He was the runt of the litter and we named him Aslan because Aslan is the name of the lion in the Chronicles of Narnia, the representation of Christ, the strong lion. But we took him to the vet the next week and he, they said he had a heart murmur. He was really weak and would only live maybe six months at the most because his heart was bad. And we were just so shocked right away, and our, our breeder felt so bad, so it never happened before, and, and we'll take Aslan back, give you a new puppy. And we said, well, we're already attached to Aslan, so we'll keep Aslan, and maybe he'll just have a good life for the next two or three months, even though it'll be hard for us. I mean, that's the brokenness of life. And, and our son, Stephen, who's in grade school at the time, every night Aslan would sleep with him, and he would pray, God, heal Aslan's heart. And he would pray, and, and the next month we went back to the vet, and he said, you know, the heart murmur sounds a little bit better. And a few months later, we went back to the vet, and every night, Stephen would pray, God, heal Aslan's heart, and his heart was a little bit better. It's a little bit better. And when he went to the vet this last month, 12 years later, they said, you know what? His heart murmur's doing a little bit better. <laughs> 12 years, you know? It's amazing. Yeah. Don't, no, don't clap yet. Don't clap yet, because Aslan's not fully restored. I mean, he's not the smartest dog. And... Um, He's caused a little bit of pain in our family over the years, but a lot of joy. I mean, you know, he's just one of those dogs that the, the lights are on, but nobody's home. You know, it's just like his heart is healed, but there's just some more healing and restoration that needs to happen. I, I mean, for some reason, for 12 years, you try to let him out the backyard to go potty, and he's just afraid to go out the back door. You know, he's just scared to death. And It'll just take him forever to go out. But if you open up the front door, he'll just sprint out and he'll run forever. And if you didn't catch him, he'd never return. I don't know why. We don't know why. He'll bark at, at a leaf for 12 hours straight. Yeah, that's his record so far. At a leaf, okay? I mean, just yesterday, my wife was in the study looking out on our front porch and she was just in there relaxing and Aslan was there looking out the window and he just stared out the window at nothing for 30 minutes. It was so impressive. And then, and then he turned around and looked at Chris, and right when he did, Chris said, I was so shocked, this huge collie ran onto our porch and ran right by the window, and then Aslan turned around and missed it completely. 
That's the story of his life right there. And so his heart may be healed, but at the great restoration, he's gonna run into the backyard with confidence. He's gonna bark at squirrels and not leaves. He's gonna be strong Aslan. Brilliant, strong, amazing dog. I mean, just think about the restoration of all things. The restoration of everything that is broken here on this earth will be totally restored, perfectly restored. Praise God for the restoration of all things. But I have to say we can't ignore our losses here on this earth. We grieve so often. And a lot of times we try to hide our grief. We're not good with grief. We don't like it when someone's sad. We're always trying to make the people in our lives happy. And husbands, let me tell you, if you're trying to make your wife happy, that's not your job. That's God's job. Your job when you're going through pain is to feel with her, to be with her and to feel the pain and to be in it with her. But we want to fix everything, and we don't want anyone to be unhappy because we don't know how to deal with grief. But when you stuff that grief down and you pretend it's not there, it comes out in crazy ways, like midlife crisis. If you don't deal with it, and God says, I want you to bring it to me. Bring all your brokenness to me. Don't hide it. Bring your anger, your hurt. Pour it out to me. Bring your heart to me. Pour it out to me. Bring your tears to me. Pour it out to me. And that's why in Matthew 5, 4, our key verse for this mini-series, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's saying those who mourn are going to be fulfilled. Those who mourn are going to be comforted. The only people who ever experience supernatural healing and comfort are those who bring their grief to God. Those who bring their grief to God and, and don't run from their grief, but stay in the pain and bring it to God and they'll start experiencing the supernatural healing that only God can bring. I want to say, too, it's, it's so important to bring your doubts and your questions to God and your anger to God when you're mad at him. He wants us to bring it all to him and not hide it, not run from it. And that's why next weekend we're going to have an amazing weekend message. Pastor Lee Strobel is going to be doing the kickoff of our new series called Questions. And in that message, it's just going to be answering tough questions. Answering questions and doubts is going to be powerful. You know, bring friends. Uh, you know, ask your questions. And it's just going to be answering questions. God's not afraid of your questions. We should be able to talk about these tough questions and, and doubts and fears and barriers that keep us from really totally trusting God for our lives. Well, there's a third thing I want you to see. We have to long for the restoration of everything. And I know in your heart, if you're a Christ follower, you already do. You may just have covered it over with a lot of other things. In Romans 8, it says, for we know that all creation has been groaning, is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be set free from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Isn't that interesting? He's saying all creation is longing for the day of restoration, that all creation has been broken since the fall. And it's longing for that restoration 
And it says that if you're a Christ follower, God made the deposit of the Holy Spirit into your life as a deposit, as a down payment on full restoration that's coming one day. We'll be fully restored. That's why you have an aching in your heart. That's why you know, you're always looking for something new. That's why you're always trying to you know, see what's coming next. They say that we go to our cell phones 110 times a day to check on email and texts and Facebook and social media and all these things. We're always checking and, and, and you get a dopamine hit every time you, you do that. So it kind of brings you back, but it's because we're always looking for, we're always looking for good news aren't we? We're always looking for what's over the horizon. Is there good news? Is there an encouragement somewhere? And those things just always let us down. And all the things that you're longing for, all of your sins and addictions and brokenness, all of your hopes and your dreams, if you begin to understand the great restoration, all those things start to fall away and fall into Christ because that's why you were made. C.S. Lewis put it this way, if I find within myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You were made for a world restored. In Revelation 21.4, let's go back to Revelation again, the last book. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. It's one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. It's the no more verse. In heaven, you know, in when the earth is restored, there'll be no more pain, no more crying, no more death, no more sickness. Not just no more death, not just eternal life, but no more pain, no more sickness, no more brokenness. I first met Johnny when I was in second grade, and he was almost 20 at the time. We both went to the same church, and Johnny, when he was a baby, I found out, contracted spinal meningitis, and he was severely physically disabled. It had bent his spine over, and he was about five feet tall, bent over. His left arm was withered and totally useless, his left leg had no strength and he would drag it everywhere. But Johnny had such joy. And this disease had really left him with a mental development that it had just stopped at probably about a second grade level. It had severely affected his mental development. I was in second grade. He was more like a second grader, and we both shared this love of sports, and that drew us together as friends. And Johnny's older brother, Danny, was an all-city athlete in multiple sports. He was an amazing basketball player who could just jump through the gym, and he had this touch from the outside. It was just unbelievable, an amazing basketball player. Johnny's younger sister, uh, Rosanna, she was an all-city track athlete with great speed. And so Johnny loved sports, and I love sports, and we kind of connected and, and became buddies. And every Saturday morning, Johnny would call me, and he would make predictions for the college football games. And then Sunday, he would talk to me about the 
NFL games. And so it would be the predictions. Okay, okay, Johnny, let's go through the list. Uh, what, what do you think about Notre Dame and Michigan? He would say, okay, my prediction is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 99, the Michigan Wolverines, 98. And I go, Johnny, this is football, not basketball, okay? And he'd go, that's okay. That's my prediction, you know? And go, great. And I go, okay, Texas Longhorns and the Rice Owls. Texas Longhorns, 89, the Rice Owls, 88. And I go, Johnny, I think the Longhorns might hit 89, but I don't think the Owls are going to hit 88, you know? And and he goes, that's okay, that's my prediction. And he would be right almost every time about who won. His scores are a little off, but he would be right about who won. And we would sit together at church, and I'll never forget, Johnny, every time the message started, Johnny would start falling asleep. He would rock, and then he would fall asleep, and I would kind of punch him, and he'd go, and he'd shoot up like that. Finally, one day I asked him, I said, Johnny, every time we watch a, a ball game, you never fall asleep, but in church, you always fall asleep. Why is that? He thought for a moment, gave me this very profound answer. He said, because when I'm watching a ball game, I always have a cup of hot chocolate to keep me awake. And I said, yeah, that's probably right, you know? And we were buddies. He was a great athlete. He would use that one arm, and we would go out to the ball field, and I would pitch to him, and he would just hit ropes with that one arm. And then he would just limp to first base, and we'd, we just had so much fun. And even when I, you know, got out of grade school in the junior high, I'd go to Johnny's house, he'd come to my house. You know, we just had this relationship that we'd built. Even in high school, and even though he stayed at that level of a little kid, the joy and the twinkle in his eye and just that, that sense of humor, I, I just loved Johnny. We were kindred spirits, and, and then we moved away. And I would keep up with him a little bit, you know, through the years. But just... Several years ago, my dad called me and he said, you know, Johnny went to be with the Lord today. And that sadness just came all over me. He was in his, his 60s, you know, but still the same joyful Johnny. And, and that sadness of loss that just comes over you when you hear about someone that you're connected with or love. And, and that sadness just came over me, the sadness of loss that we've all felt but it evaporated right away when I thought about the great restoration and I thought about the restoration Johnny was experiencing in heaven at that moment and I thought, you know, no longer is he like five foot hunched over, he's six foot three. He's fully restored, Johnny. You know, he's six foot three, strong, handsome. He's playing basketball in heaven and dunking the basketball. He's brilliant. And one day when I get to heaven, I'll see Johnny, and I'll recognize him right away because he's the same Johnny. It's, he's not a different Johnny. He's just a restored Johnny, fully himself, no longer broken, fully himself. And I'll recognize him because of the, the twinkle in his eye. I'll recognize him because that's Johnny. And I'll come over, and we will, he'll recognize me because I'll have a full head of hair. Some of you guys won't recognize me. But he'll know me, fully restored. And we'll play a game of one-on-one, -on -one and he'll devastate me. Then we'll sit in the bleachers in heaven, and we'll laugh about those times that we would make those predictions and those scores, and we'll hug each other and, and be together forever. Think about fully restored and what that means. One of the greatest regrets of my life was that I didn't get there in time to hear my grandson, Jude Samuel's little cry when he was born. That little cry that came from lungs that would fail him less than 24 hours later. 
I didn't get to be there to hold him and to hear that beautiful little cry. But you know what? Because of the great restoration, nothing is lost. And one day when I go to heaven, I will see Jude as a strong, young, brilliant, handsome man, and he will be crying out with those lungs filled with the Holy Spirit, singing praises to God with his beautiful, angelic voice, playing the guitar better than Eric Clapton. And he will be uh, so joyful and joy-filled, and I'll be so joy-filled, and I will hear those cries of praise to God. And I will hold him, and I will hug him. And God will wipe away every tear from my eyes, all my regrets, all the loss, all the hurt, all the pain, gone. That is my lifeline. That is my lifeline. And I go back to that verse where our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new, everything that was broken, everything that was wounded, everything that was lost, I am making everything new. If you're a Christ follower, nothing is lost. If you're not a Christ follower, everything is lost, including you. We've all been there. The Bible says we've all lost our way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But he has caused the sin of us all to fall upon the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God who died for us. And the amazing thing is that it says that God goes after us and he searches for us, even when we've lost our way and we've run away from him, he will never stop loving us. He will never stop following us. He will never stop looking for us to turn to him. And all you have to do is turn to him. And you receive restoration instantly in salvation. A new heart geared toward God. And then he starts restoring you from the inside out. And then you have the great restoration to look forward to one day. Doesn't get any better than that. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear God, I pray for those who have never received you that right now they would just say in the silence of their heart, Jesus Christ, I give up to your free forgiveness of all my sins. I ask you to heal my brokenness from the inside out and to take me to heaven one day where I'll be fully restored. I ask you to come into my life and change me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Now help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice who's going through hurt and pain. This life, Lord, can be so ugly and devastating and painful. And Lord, I pray that you would fill them right now with your peace in the middle of the pain. We thank you, Lord, that no matter how great the pain, we have a greater hope in you, the great restorer. Bring healing and strength. I pray that you would heal broken bodies today, that you would heal broken hearts and broken lives and broken relationships today. Bring your healing power, Jesus, in your name. For Lord, we thank you that the great restoration is coming. The ultimate healing is on its way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us, and I encourage you to Keep putting God first in your finances. If you haven't started that, then start that practice. Saying, God, I want to give you the first place in my life, my finances, my time, my schedule, the first day of the week. 
and that's what you're doing here. And as you do, pray for God's blessing and strength on your life. And the great news is God says, when you give, focus on God and others, then God gives back to you even more. It's a promise of God. You can write it down. It's trustworthy and true. God's promises are always true. And as we give, let's just thank God for the ministries of Woodlands Church. There's so many. But I just think of our student ministry, our children's ministry, our preschool ministry that's raising up the next generation. I think about our missions, you know, in places around the world, the poorest of the poor. There's just so many things that God's doing through you, and I praise God for it. Um, I think about our human trafficking ministry and how we're bringing so many out of, you know, really sex slavery and human trafficking. Houston is one of the, the worst cities right now in the world for human trafficking. And so our ministry there, God's just using it in a powerful way. And I praise God for it. There's just so much that God's doing through you. Get on a team, get in a group, and give. Those three things will change everything for you. That's when church comes alive. When you get on a team and serve, when you get in a life group, and when you give. It makes all the difference. Lord, bless our giving. And we thank you that you've given us the greatest gift of all, your son, Jesus Christ. And we just pray for blessings that you do what you say you'll do, Lord. Give back to all those who are giving even more. And then, Lord, multiply those gifts to meet the needs of hurting people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I'm so glad God loves us as he finds us. He loves us too much to leave us there. He keeps restoring us. Hey, next week is gonna be amazing. Start the new series, Questions, with Pastor Lee Strobel. Uh, send your questions in. You'll see people out in the foyer as well, and you can uh, do your little video question out there too. And we have our pastors and prayer teams up here to pray for you for healing. And uh, we love you. God bless you. Praise God for who he is, and thank him for what he's doing in your life. God bless you, Woodland Church. We love you. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.